Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What is the significance of a BYU win at Allen Fieldhouse? We'll talk about that. Also, Texas just drums Texas Tech and things do get ugly in Lubbock. And Houston just keeps on rolling. Also, two games to preview tonight. This is the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football. We are part of the 365 Sports Network. You all can find us wherever you get your podcasts and here on YouTube as well. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. Get those subs up, guys. Try to get help us get to 12,700. We're on the road to 13K. Need your help to do there. We hope we get there during March Madness. Uh, find us wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Five stars in those places, if you will. And also on X slash Twitter, at NWPod365. I am at Josh Neighbors underscore. So a huge, significant moment last night as BYU takes down KU on the road in Allen Fieldhouse. And it's significant for a few reasons. We focused a lot this year, uh, this basketball season on Houston, and rightfully so. Houston is currently in the driver's seat to win the Big 12. Now, they have a game and a half advantage over Iowa State right now and on the schedule left for Houston at OU, at UCF, and also KU at home. So probably a 2-1. and one maybe even 3-0 and stretch coming up for the 25-1 and Cougars, who are basically a lock to be a one seed at this point in time, unless things go really south for them. But they've been the best team in the Big 12 this year. And that should be celebrated because the one sport where we thought there would be the biggest adjustment was basketball for all of these new schools coming in, particularly for UCF, particularly for BYU, and particularly for Cincinnati. Cincinnati hung around, it felt like, for as long as they could in the Big 12 uh you know, maybe tournament picture, they're falling out right now as kind of KU is coming on to potentially be that 10th team. But Cincinnati was there. They've dropped off as of late. And I think that's to be expected. West Miller's actually done a pretty decent job in my estimation in year number one. I think Johnny Dawkins has not done a bad job at UCF in year one there as well. They've picked up some decent wins in the league. Um, but Houston competing not just competing, winning the Big 12 championship as it is right now, regular season, because look, guys, the Big 12 champion to me is not the team that we crown the champion at the Big 12 tournament. The Big 12 tournament champion, that's who that is. But in this league where it's the best basketball conference in America, uh, the Big 12 champion, in my opinion, is the team that makes it through the schedule with the best record, right? There are so many good teams in this league. And I know the ACC coaches are complaining because, hey, they scheduled poorly in the non-conference. Well, like they should. Why should Big 12 teams? What's the incentive when everybody's so good in the league? And once again, if you watch Big 12 teams play, guys, these are good basketball teams. Like, don't let anybody fool you. Do not let people fool you and tell you that other leagues have great players and just the Big 12 versus the Big 12. Like, there are not teams that have guys like Ray J. Dennis and Jacoby Walter and Missy and, you know, teams like with guys like Shed and Cryer, uh, and you know, Iowa State, you know, the way they play defense, the way they're coached, 
and teams like Texas Tech, like you know Grant McCaslin when he's done this year, uh, Jerome, like just the level of coaching in this league is so high. It's that to me is what separates it from everything else. Talent level also incredibly high in this league, and we know that. But Houston to come into this league and do what they're doing—that's why they've been the story so far. BYU though to be as successful as they've been this year, and even if you take out last night heading into it, they were nineteen and eight, seven and seven heading into last night. At this point in time, it looks like they're going to finish around five hundred in the league. They've got TCU at home at Iowa State, and then Oklahoma State. They can go two and one. They'll end up having a 10 win season going 10 and eight in the league, which would be a huge accomplishment for BYU and Mark Pope in year number one. And sure, I'm not going to do it, but if you wanted to vote Mark Pope Big 12 coach of the year, you could do it. I would not stop you. But to have BYU come in and do this unexpectedly is something that we should really appreciate to, to manage that night in, night out grind. And look, it's not really always about just the wins and the losses. It's about like how does big how do big moments and uh, season shaping moments manifest themselves for your ball club? And BYU had one last night. Like how do you how to become a team that peaks at the right time? And if you look at the wins they picked up recently, you know especially at home they beat K State twice or excuse me once uh, they beat UCF uh, barely, but they beat Baylor and they also beat KU. And so uh, I know on the road has not always been the prettiest for them, but still the Marriott Center has been a, a really good building to them this year, and they're winning at home like they should. And then last night they go to Allen Fieldhouse and they beat Kansas. Uh, just an incredibly significant victory for BYU to go on the road and to do that. And what they know they had to do this and they kept doing it was that they pulled Hunter Dickinson away from the basket. All right, this was not a BYU offense last night that really dazzled you with one certain player. Like, I thought uh, Dallin Hall was really good uh, overall, but they only had one guy play more than 30 minutes, and that was Jackson Robinson off the bench. And so last night, for them, was all about the balance. They were 39% from the floor, which if you go into Allen Fieldhouse and shoot 39% from the floor, you're usually not going to win. But they were 38 from three, and they were 79 from the line. They also took care of the basketball. They won the turnover battle as well. Those are the things that we always focus on. But Robinson to give them 19 off the bench and hit four of nine threes, and also Hall to go three of six from three was really big. And they did a good job, especially in their screening game, of, uh, you know, like Kevin McCuller, such a big loss for Kansas for a couple of reasons. We know with KU's top five, they can fight fire with fire with anybody. Also, one of their uh, fire hoses, I would say, their fire hose really on the perimeter is Kevin McCuller. His best asset is not just his offense. It's the fact that he's one of the best, maybe the best two-way player in the country, right? He is such an elite defender. He is so good on the perimeter. And the fact that he can score the way he can and also defend the way he can while playing the number of minutes that he can is a huge asset. Now, KU's lack of depth is a huge problem, but you take away a guy like a Hunter Dickens, or excuse me, like a Kevin McCuller, and their ability to fight fire and limit your fire really goes away, uh, and they desperately need him back. That's why they're trying to get other guys in rotation because they can't just fill that. They need other guys to be in there playing. And so, uh, but on the perimeter, in terms of screens, the way that works, like, Dewan Harris is a very good perimeter defender, 
but he's not physical enough to always fight through every single screen. And that leaves guys like Dickinson exposed, having to step out. Um, and also they attacked the paint. They moved the ball really well when he was away from the basket. They did a good job of throwing the ball inside of back cutting, getting guys open. I thought last night they just, their plan of attack, they had 11 assists on 22 made baskets, but they made the right pass the right time. They took the right shots at the right time. They did not always fall. And they hit a lot of late free throws that helped them end up turning the game. So Mark Pope's group really just diagnosing things well and attacking that, exposing Kansas's weaknesses. That's what was so impressive to me. And look, KU's 9-6 and six in conference. BYU's going to finish maybe a game or two behind them. If you're BYU, you're going to take that all day long. And so I, I don't think this team's got necessarily a star player, right? Uh, Jackson Robinson, once again, is averaging 14 points per game. Uh, Trevin Nell has been really good for them. He's averaging like 11 a game. But they are a more balanced team. They've got five guys who average over 10 a game. And that's their big strength of BYU is their balance, is the number of guys that can hurt you. And they pulled uh, Dickinson away from the basket with basically everybody last night in pick and rolls. And he's too slow on the perimeter to keep up with people. Um, and also too, like they used the, the fact that he was out of the paint, you know, as, as something that was effective. And he is a deterrent just because he's tall sometimes. But to be honest, if you want a guy who's like going to deter you from stopping or, you know, shooting at the rim, KJ Adams is a better athlete who can do that, in my opinion, a bit better than Dickinson. So BYU, to have that moment as a program, such, such a massive win and such a statement about where BYU basketball is in the landscape. For Kansas, it's a whole lot of what I just talked about. Their five, their best five can go toe-to-toe with anybody. Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, Johnny Furphy, um, you go, and then you go KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson. That's as good of a five as you'll get anywhere. The problem is El Marco Jackson, Nick Timberlake, and then really you're seeing a whole lot more now. Um, they're trying to get the uh, Jamari, forgetting his last name, um, the new guy, the new kid involved, the freshman kid, uh, Jamari McDowell. He had three last night too, but they're having to get him involved a lot more now. And this is why like you, you hope earlier in the season, you get guys like that involved. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Bill Selb needs to use these last few games to get the, those guys minutes. We're not sure if Kevin McCuller is going to come back. They are at Baylor, Kansas state, and then at Houston left the rest of the year. Guys, this might not get a lot better for Kansas. Uh, they're hoping I think for a two or a three seed, we'll see what happens, but their big 12 title shot. The dreams are dashed. Once again, at full strength, top five, they can go with anybody. But it, it, the problem for them is they're an early round exit team because if things aren't clicking with the top five, other teams can get to you and hurt you because they can't always adjust. And so they need that. They, they need something else there. Like we've seen that top five play. We saw it against Houston in a one game scenario, guys. In a one game situation, we know that KU, they beat Kentucky. They beat Houston. They can beat anybody. They beat Baylor, even though like they shouldn't have. They can beat anyone. The problem is, though, is that it's one it's one game at a time. Like, I'll take the dogs on Houston's team. I'll take the dogs on Iowa State's team over the KU guys right now because it's just not enough consistency. And it feels like there's nowhere they can reach to on the bench. And even in their top five, like, Furphy's inconsistent. KJ Adams is what he is. Dickinson has his deficiencies. Harris sometimes needs to shoot more. We know the and, and and even Kevin McCullough is not a great to you know he's not a great scorer all the time. 
Um, he's had a few rough games and now he's dealing with injuries. So they have all these red flags. And I think that's what contributes, but in that building, they've been so strong and BYU exposing them is the big story out of all of this. Um, uh, you know, noticing those weaknesses that we've mentioned all year long, attacking them and making things happen was so important for them. Also on Tuesday night, we've got to mention Texas 81, Texas Tech 69. This has got to be where the frustration for Texas fans comes in. Um, their guards this year, Tyrese Hunter scores four points in this game. Max A. Smith scores 18, but he's five of 15 shooting. Dylan DeSue's been their best player. He goes for 21 and six. They get a great night from their bench, end up getting 34 from the bench from three different guys. Uh, Shedrick gives them 10 and eight minutes. Uh, they get nine from Brock Cunningham, who gets ejected from this game, rightfully so. And then Weaver gives them 15 off the bench, nine for 11 from the line. If you're a Texas fan, that's what frustrates you because you see the potential. You see what this team can do and what it can give you. They could be dangerous in March. They've got good guard play sometimes. They've got good forwards in Mitchell, especially in DeSue. They've got a big in Shedrick who gives you some flexibility. And they went on the road and just shit-canned Texas Tech. This was a 12-point game. It was not this close. It was a 24-point game at halftime. And Texas had double the turnover, or excuse me, three more turnovers than Texas Tech had. This was just a dominant, I thought, a really impressive offensive effort, getting to the line, attacking the rim. And, uh, you know, another another really rough Pop Isaacs night. I'm going to keep saying it, guys. He's averaging 16 points a game. He's shooting 35% from the floor, 29 from three, and 84 from the line. That's why he's so aggressive. Getting to the line is a huge part of his game. And he is very good at the line. I will give him that, but it's just not, it's not there all the time for him when it comes to getting to the free throw line. For them to go in there, Cunningham with a terrible, I mean, that was just dirty as hell. The case, uh, the uh, Texas Tech fans throwing shit, which was bad. McCaslin has to get on the mic, which is bad. It's a bad look. It's, it's a bad look. I know there is bad blood between these two programs. Guys, Rodney Terry is not Chris Beard. Uh, you know, th those guys, look, man, Chris Beard's decisions left Texas players, coaches, and fans high and dry. Um, Texas Tech, you know, you can be as upset as you want to. I, I hate that some of those guys um, is is paying the price. I, I think that some of these guys are kind of paying the price, paying the penance for what Chris, Chris Beard did. But look, man, like Texas Tech, I understand your frustrations. You know, you're hoping to get another shot at Texas again. But for Texas to go in that building and, and quiet down Texas Tech is tough. I mean, the last two times Texas Tech and Texas have played, you know, football at the end of the year, dog walk, basketball, not much closer. Maybe we get it round three or round two. I'm not sure if they they played before. Let me double check on the year. Yeah, so uh, Texas gets the uh, Texas Tech rather gets the first win, uh, win by 11. This one by 12. Hoping we get a round three in Kansas City. That would be a lot of fun. But the big story here is kind of the antics off the court. What we should be focusing on is Texas getting a big win on the court. When they've stepped up against elite competition, things have not gone great for them. When they take, you know, this was a a really good win. If you're a Texas fan, might be why you're upset because hey, Rodney Terry's group should be better. Gillinardi has them as last four buys. He did going into last night. I would assume that is going to change. Uh, that is going to change. I think they're going to be the right side of the bubble. Things are going well for the Longhorns, at least at this juncture. Houston, a workmanlike victory over Cincinnati, 67 to 59, right? This is one of those where, 
hey, if you're Houston, you played a bunch of big games recently, right? So you're kind of wary about uh, where you are and uh, their defense is what came up in the first half. They allowed 42 in the second half, but 26-17 at halftime. That first half defense was huge. And it was a great night from LJ Cryer. 22 points on 7 of 15 shooting. Jamal Shedd, 9 points on 2 of 11 shooting. It's not good for him. But 11 assists and 4 steals. The guy is just a difference maker. And also, 19 turnovers for Cincinnati. Uh, 10 turnovers. So plus 9. Extra possessions, extra attempts, all those opportunities paid off. And Roberts has a nice night with 15, uh, which I think was huge for them. You don't see Houston usually get crushed on the boards. They were minus 12, which was odd. Uh, I think that's why you saw the, the kind of attempts uh, even out uh, 15 offensive rebounds for Cincinnati, which you don't normally see, but a, a fighting effort from Cincy on the road, but Houston by hook or by crook just has, has become an absolute machine. This is one, two, three, four, five, six straight victories for them. And then one, two, three, four, five. Uh, let's see. It's yeah. So they've won 11 of their last 12, sick, six stuff in the big 12 to, to win 11 of your last 12 games. I, I would love to find the last team that has had uh, two winning streaks like that in the big 12 conference. We have to go. I'm going to go back and actually check and see if I can find some, some team, maybe 2020 Baylor, um, that championship team might've had some similar run, but 11 of the last 12 in this league, absolutely sick to put on a run like that. Let's revisit some stuff from the other night. Did not get to these uh, from Monday. I've been dealing with some work stuff and really, really busy as we transition between basketball and football or uh, basketball and baseball season. Those going on at once, very busy on the college sports side of things. Baylor gets a calming 62-54 win. Once again, TCU is a team, not like one of the worst home court advantages, I would say. Um, they shot the They shot terribly in this game. Baylor just showed up and shot the three-point shot a lot better. Bridges, really nice night. Good night from Jacoby Walter as well. Uh, and 15 assists on 20 made baskets. Gets the job done. So does 41-29 in the rebounding department. Basketball, a lot of times, comes down to things like that. And then K-State needs overtime to get over the hump against West Virginia. Um, it, this was a West Virginia team that, once again, Jekyll and Hyde took care of the ball really well, and they got two massive three-point shooting uh, evenings from Kirk Creesa and Raekwon Battle. 28 for Battle, 25 for Creesa. Between the two of them, 11 for 21 from three. That is ultimately what helped West Virginia stay in this game. K-State uh, weathered that and was 15 of 31 on their own, and Tyler Perry was the guy who stepped up. The fact they have three guys like Kaluma, Carter, and I think uh, mostly Kaluma and Perry, those are the two guys for them that to me are the biggest factors. It's a guard, it's a forward. Those two guys are going to, I think, going to carry them as far as they can go. They get a massive Cam Carter game. That will be huge in the tournament, but I think that's what they're going to need. They're back on the bubble, seven and eight in this league. They, they don't need to win at Allen Fieldhouse, but they do need to win at Cincinnati on Saturday. And then they got Iowa State at home. If they can go two and one, they can get Cincinnati and Iowa State at home. An Iowa State game, man. ESPN 2 on Saturday, March 9th. Oh, it feels like a Big 12 championship. A part of it could be on the line for Iowa State. We'll see. That'd be a huge win for K-State, bolstering tournament resume. They need that, and they need one at the Big 12 tournament. They need to get to 20. They can get to 20. 2013, I think they're going to be in good shape. We do have Big 12 action tonight uh, on this Wednesday. 
We have got Oklahoma at Iowa State. Iowa State looking to keep that perfect home record intact. So that will be good. Big 12 ESPN plus seven o'clock. And also Oklahoma State takes on UCF. Now these two teams just played. I didn't play just play. It was Cincinnati. They just played recently. Um, This is one of those games where like kind of either or game, two teams back in the pack, most likely going to be playing on that Wednesday game. Uh, So we'll see what happens in that one. But Oklahoma State has been playing better. If they had won that Oklahoma game, which they were really close, obviously, to doing, uh, this would actually be an opportunity for them to get to 500. But sadly, it is not. Today, though, belongs to BYU. So Cougs fans, soak it up. All right. That, uh, that was not a soak joke. I was just saying soak it up. That 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 came out. There you go. There's your pun. All right. That will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show every good podcast and you all can find me on YouTube as well. All right, folks till next time. See you later.